0: Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce, from Six Feet Away. And this is your podcast for March 22nd, uh, 2020. We are coming to you not live from Holy Family Fish in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, uh, all the way down there. Uh, I don't think that anyone listening to this will hopefully be able to tell the difference. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, all the way at the other end of the table, which is not u- our, our usual uh, 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 arrangement. recording arrangement, is uh, as uh, Father Bruce and I'm uh, at the other end, and uh, we uh, we have we have uh, not shaken hands or sneezed each- on each other or not even
1: tapped elbows. Not
0: even tapped elbows yet so far today. So. Uh, um, uh, staying staying safe and considerate out mm-hmm. there, um, and uh, um, but uh, some norms will continue. And uh, me asking dumb questions about lectionary readings is going to be one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: me probably talking too long.
0: <laughs> there will be another. There's no no such thing, no such thing at all. Um, but uh, let's go on to our word of uh, the the day, word of the week, uh, uh, and the word will be known to most everyone's brain as far as like, oh, yeah, I recognize that word. But it's another one of those that like, yeah, but do you really know what it means?
1: (laughs) Or is there just some obscure usage that you have no reason to know? Uh, But uh, this week's word is fundamentalism. Oh, cool.
0: So, um, and and I have, uh, I will let you know up front, I have three paragraphs uh, (laughs) uh, from the (laughs) EpiscopalChurch.org library. Uh, that describe this word. but, uh, in your own words, how would you describe fundamentalism?
1: Is a desire by its proponents to have basic core beliefs that are irrefutable, mm-hmm. fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And the behavior that comes out of that tends to be a at times harsh defense of those core beliefs. And a great suspicion of any thought system, theology, spirituality, that does not embrace that kind of approach to one's views of God and the world, mm-hmm. and oneself.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the the definition here starts off with uh, uh, kind of like a nod to what fundamentalism has become as far as a, a term, how we use the term mm-hmm. these days, uh, uh, talking about... Um, how it has been become associated with uh, the most extreme closed-minded militant uh, opposition to changing liberal theology and uh, extreme movements uh, uh, or militant movements in, in the
1: world. Can I pause just one moment? Yes. One of the things that's um, interesting about it is that it certainly crosses faith tradition lines. Mm-hmm. And since the 1990s, Scholars have been talking about the rise of fundamentalism in every major world religion: Christianity, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Judaism, uh, Islam, uh, Hindu, on and on and on. Every every group has been dealing with the challenges of it.
0: Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's not it's not isolated to one area, one right. sector at this point. Um, uh, what I find interesting about this uh, uh, definition here, though, is. They, I, they identify where the, the term was originally introduced, but they don't say how long ago it was. Uh, the term fundamentalism was introduced by Carl Laws, uh, the editor of the Watchman oh, Examiner.
1: I didn't know that. I guess.
0: Uh, who propo- Who proposed five central and non-negotiable doctrines. One, uh, uh, biblical inerrancy, so th- that there's no okay. errors in the this Bible. This obviously
1: is in the Christian context, but you'll see connections in yes. other groups of how they treat their scriptures.
0: Uh, two, the divinity of Christ. Three, the virgin birth. Four, the sub- substitutionary theory. Of the atonement, maybe you can give me some Happy to do it. Uh, uh, more information about that here in a second. And five, the resurrection and second coming of Christ, literally interpreted. So it's more of a it's a very uh, combining uh, biblical inerrancy uh, yeah. uh, and uh, the literal interpretation. I think is probably the most most widely identified mm-hmm. uh, uh, definitions of fundamentalism.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but what
0: is the uh, substitutionary theory of the atonement?
1: Well, it's why did Jesus die on a cross? Answer. Okay. And as we've been talking about through the um, multiple podcasts that this has come up, not surprisingly, <laughs> in our gospel readings and uh, Pauline readings, there's in the, the this approach a belief, an interpretation is a better term to use that Jesus had to die on the cross because Jesus was taking the place of humanity who had become so Mm sin-filled that God demanded a sacrifice Mm. as a a physical um, punishment. Gotcha. And rather than wipe out the world in a Noah-like flood, instead Jesus, who was without sin, died on the cross and therefore substituted himself for all of us. Hmm. The The problem with it is, first of all, it was not, it's not terribly biblical. Mm-hmm. So that kind of crosses out. It contradicts the first condition of Christian fundamentalism, but also in the early church, there's no sign of it. Mm-hmm. So not only was it not in the scripture, it also was not seen, it was not believed by the first Christians. Um, and didn't come around for hundreds of years. So we, as Episcopalians, are much more comfortable with the Jesus died on the cross out of God's love for all of us. Mm -hmm. and Sort of full stop, rather than God's love for all of us because someone had to die, and this way it saves us. Yeah, in in a way it does,
0: when you think about it in in its simplest terms, it, it is a little uncomfortable if... The idea is like, oh yeah, no, God demanded,
1: yeah, like, and was willing. someone had to pay, and, <laughs> and yeah, like the loving father ooh, kills the son. Wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't sound, and obviously contradicts that beautiful and frightening story about um, Isaac and his father from the Hebrew Scriptures, where mm-hmm. no human human sacrifice is no longer needed, um, right? But. When at the time when that theology came along, it was in fact very common for people to be executed and revenge killings were accepted, and Mm. life was very cheap. And so it became another one of those unfortunate common sense theologies that really make no sense at all if you're serious about who God has revealed God's self to be throughout the scriptures. Very good point.
0: so that's fundamentalism, uh, the fundamentals on fundamentalism, uh, but uh, but yeah, like I said, one, another one of those words where we all recognize it, but hard, be a little bit more hard pressed to actually put a definition to uh, yeah to the word. If all we were too asked. often,
1: it's either those are the people I don't agree with, or worse, I don't like, or if you don't believe this, I don't like you. <laughs> right. Yep. It, it really is a dumbing down. Of religion in in any tradition in which it takes place, it takes out all the nuances and contexts and the the very frankly creative ways in which God has revealed who God is to us.
0: Well, and I think I think uh, more um, to at least the season that we're in that we've been discussing a lot uh, on mm-hmm. a lot of these readings about uh, God's grace and yeah. it removes all grace totally. yeah. uh, from the equation
1: because yeah, it's and, not. And in their defense, fundamentalists do have ways of explaining that mm-hmm. that I don't agree with. Um, so they would say, "No, no, no. Grace is still a major part of that, but God needed the sacrifice in order for the grace to be revealed to the world." Mm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> in your humble opinion. In my humble opinion.
0: And yeah. my agreement. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's let's move on to the first yeah. reading, shall we? This uh, is this first reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn and oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse saw Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Um... This is one of those stories that sounds familiar, right? Um, but we don't really discuss it very much. Uh, uh, it's not,
1: yeah, sort of taken for granted almost.
0: Yeah, and, and but it's also another one of those you know biblical stories where like you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I think I remember that. It's mm-hmm. not the you know any of the the big ones that I always remember. I but, a lot of
1: special effects.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so what uh, in this story? Um, I'm kind of reminded a little bit of the uh, uh, the 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 those who are first shall be last yep. and, and those you who sure. are greatest or least um, mm-hmm. um, traditionally, as you're going through uh, uh, a lineage, the heir apparent would be the eldest firstborn yep. uh, uh, which uh, is uh, in this case, uh, I already forget his name <laughs> um, Ilya, and, and
1: somewhere he's <clears> on, <throat> again I again. forget. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, at least at, at least uh, in Iliab's uh, uh, defense it makes an implication that he was impressive looking yeah so not that he was a jerk right. so at least you know Iliab and all your ancestors doesn't say anything bad right <laughs> we just don't remember you could be worse you could be known for you know you could be the one who's known for killing your brother yeah um uh, <laughs> Or the other one who's known for trying to kill your brother or the other one one. who, but I mean, you know, uh, so so it's not, it's, it's not so, it's so much a a condemnation in this story. It's just like, no, 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 that's not, uh, that's not right. So, uh, um, what is it about the story? Uh, it, is it attempting to break up those social norms, uh, the, the yes. same way that Jesus kind of does later when he comes in, and in, in, uh, in the gospel readings of the New Testament, kind of continually, uh, kind of breaking that that up, that hierarchy feel.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big part of it. What else is part of it then? The expectation that humans can easily. See who God has chosen. Mm. That uh, one of the interesting underlying themes throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, is God keeps telling the Israelites, "You shouldn't have a king. You don't want a king. Kings lead to trouble." Mm -hmm. And Saul, who was the who was the king at this moment, uh, was a prime example of that. Started out well, then went downhill. David will start out well, he'll go downhill. Mm-hmm. So there's, first of all, that theme of uh, be suspicious of people who are willing to lord authority over you. And don't seek that out, but okay, you're, you're going to do it anyway, so I'll do my best to help you with it. <laughs> it's more yeah. God's position. And there is also, as we said a moment ago, the whole dynamic of those who are least are often the ones God chooses to be first, if not constantly through the scriptures. So um, David definitely falls into that category. While it turns out he was handsome, he was uh, so out of the picture that it doesn't even occur to his dad to bring him in for this wonderful festival that's about to take place, this huge barbecue of the sacrifice. And back then, people literally ate what was sacrificed. So it was a big deal. It was Mm -hmm. a festive, fun time. Um, not gloomy, so David was so off even his family's radar that he was out tending sheep, which was considered a pretty lowly profession mm-hmm. um, and task. So, well, he's so far removed from the inheritance of the firstborn that it, was, yeah. it would have been like,
0: oh yeah, sorry, buddy. You're yeah,
1: right. he's he is now peaking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> by being a shepherd. Yeah, exactly. Um, who? who um, so, so you're talking about you know King Saul. Right, right, uh, and and, and um, us trying to anoint, uh, the the, the uh, um, nation trying to anoint a new a new king to replace
1: Saul. Right? You no, know, actually, that's part yeah. of the fun here is the nation thinks Saul's okay because mm. he's king. Right. And just in one of the verses before, um, God tells Samuel he's not pleased with Saul. It's time for a new king, and Samuel's very disappointed because he's close with Saul. And there's a certain amount of, on the part of Saul. I mean, on the part of Samuel. Uh-huh. And that's why verse 16, first verse of chapter 16, is the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Because mm. um, Samuel is emotionally connected with Saul and, and grieving that he's no longer going to be king. And that Samuel himself has to be the instrument of that taking place.
0: So, so what is, what is Samuel's position? I oh, mean, I'm sure we would get a, a better, a, a better feel for this. Uh, if again, we were reading like the whole context yeah. of like the book of first Saul or but, but first Samuel, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but, but we're not. So, uh, so, so but, S- Samuel is,
1: he is one of the, he's one of my favorite characters, hmm. people. He's not just a character. Um, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, where there's this beautiful arc that actually Jesus' life has connections to repeatedly of his birth being foretold. It wasn't a miraculous birth, but his birth being foretold. He's dedicated to service in the temple. He has an interesting story when he's young about uh, hearing God's voice directly at a time when that was considered very rare Uh and um is always this person on the the edges of the key events that are taking place in israel during his lifetime because he is a active prophet okay um to bury the headline (laughs) he's a prophet there and the most legitimate prophet in israel at that time huh then why
0: why jesse's house like why why the line of jesse um is this a continuation, like, is, is this uh, a continuation of lineage? Like, is this a, a lineage tied to Saul? Is that, yeah, like, because I think a lot of times kings, queenship, monarchy, like, that, the very family tie, fa- family mm-hmm. heavy. Is that the reason why he goes to Jesse? Is Jesse, like, the next in line family-wise? Or is this, like...
1: No, but he was one. Jesse was part of the lineage that Ruth... Was in, uh-huh. um, so it's one of the top tribes, okay, of holy revelation in the Hebrew scriptures. That sounded like it had a
0: you know, capital capital yeah. letters to it. What's, what's no, the holy revelation
1: that that Ruth was part of one of the key parts of the Bible of how Gentiles could become connected, um permanently with mm. the uh, with a Israelite, with the house of Israel, uh, the clan, the tribe, where the story of Ruth and Naomi, where uh, there are all sorts of interesting pieces within that story that continue to move us about two women who were both widows and in a time of famine, and they were not from the same tribe and therefore socially would be expected they'd go back to their respective places and have very low status, uh-huh. and instead they say they're going to stick with each other and follow the one true God. Huh? And so it was a huge theological revelation that hopefully continues to inspire us today. So there's that reaching out beyond the expectation lineage within the um, house of Jesse. Okay.
0: Interesting. Anything else about this story?
1: So many things. So many things, that we should things we have Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Got it. Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter five, verse eight through fourteen. For once you were, for once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Uh, this is a Pauline letter, yes?
1: No! No!
0: <laughs> Don't resist. Yes or no? Way no, way, way no.
1: Way, well, it it's one that's close enough to Paul that scholars believe it was a very close follower of Paul. Gotcha. But it, written after Paul's death. Okay. And his name put on it.
0: Gotcha. And uh, Ephesians are people who live in Ephesus, uh, a Greek Grecian. That's one of the Grecian territory uh, cities, isn't it? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, um,
1: because that is
0: our priest telling you that portions of the Bible. No, I'm
1: just kidding. Well, be- because the 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 section that describes who to whom this letter is addressed uh-huh. is likely a late late add-on
0: oh, to make it okay. sound
1: like a letter that was sound like a letter from Paul.
0: You make it sound as though portions of the books of the Bible were. Made up after the fact.
1: I won't say made up because the Holy Spirit could be still added, inspiring. That we we've, we've yes.
0: altered the this the, this uh, this text that we read from at some point in time, and that's just
1: what. It's non fundamental to go back to our word of the day, but it doesn't mean that at all that this letter is not helpful or full of interesting stuff. Um. Because it is full of interesting stuff and is helpful in many ways. But it definitely, with all apologies to Paul, is better written than Paul's letters were. Has more complex Greek. Uh Um, Uses vocabulary that uses bigger words (laughs) than Paul did. So it doesn't, in the Greek, sound anything like Paul in Mm -hmm. terms of the actual words. Theology is similar but further yeah. developed.
0: you you can kind of tell even in this small snippet uh, it, it's um, it it has a lot more um, what do I want to say I almost said it, it, like it's more poetic it, yeah, it, but, that's, you know, it but that it doesn't
1: go round and round it's
0: not so much that it's it 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 comes to with like verbal descriptions in such a way that that give you a, a a much more clear mental image, mm-hmm. and and it, yeah, as you pointed out, Paul's stuff does have a tendency to weave in on itself, kind of a infinity loop style. Yeah, um,
1: which is a where good teaching technique.
0: It, it, yeah, uh, but uh, I think in a lot of cases, to the modern reader, uh, uh, does cause our brain to kind of short circuit a little bit, and mm-hmm. like, wait, 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 did you I did. did I hear that right, <laughs> or like, was that, yeah, because we're used to Points like we're we used to styles where you re-reference points, but later on, yeah, and that style is very much point and point and point and point and point that are all like
1: all identical, but they all yeah.
0: sound slightly different. And you're like, wait, did I hear? Was that the, the mm-hmm. same thing that you said before? But it sounded a little different, and like it would just we just don't kind of aren't, aren't kind of wired that way anymore. Yeah, um, but yeah, the 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 vision the the, the Imagery that that uh, this writing style uh, has is a little bit more um, uh, robust.
1: I could see that, yeah.
0: Or for me, I should and say for you,
1: yeah,
0: for... yeah. So it, this is. But I've said on the podcast before, I'm not that big of a fan of Paul, right?
1: And... <laughs> not as a person,
0: <laughs> just his writing. <laughs> Drives my brain crazy. It's just I'm just not I just don't it doesn't work well with it with me.
1: I'm just picturing when you die, Paul coming up to you in heaven saying, like, We need to get a cup of
0: coffee. Right. <laughs> I heard you didn't like my writings and we're yeah. like I'm impressed you heard. <laughs> no yes, I didn't.
1: Like I meant, That'd be my reaction. <laughs> I no, didn't. I didn't. <laughs> and he would say to you, why is your beard so short? <laughs> anyway. Um, um yeah, so, and the other interesting thing about Ephesians is that, that marks it as unlikely being a Paul, is that mm-hmm. it doesn't address a particular set of problems or issues like the genuine Paul Pauline letters do over and over and over, mm-hmm. you know, Corinthians and all where Corinthians focuses on the, um, in part, on the hierarchies that are developing within those early congregations, and Paul Bulls over and over and over mm-hmm. on, no, you're all equal in the body of Christ. Right. Whereas here, it's much more readable to a modern reader because it's a series of pretty good theology. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it's point, summary, next paragraph, which they didn't have, but right. point, summary. Yeah. So it's, it's a, quite a more different. modern
0: structure yeah. of, you know, of writing. I, I am... I, in in a way, a lot of a lot of the words. Uh, the longer time you spend um, um, in church or reading the Bible or, or or worshiping in some way, shape, or form, some of these New Testament readings uh, uh, become so ingrained in us. Like the, mm-hmm. these concepts that they that they they almost kind of float uh, through. Like yep, yep, we're the children of light. Uh, avoid the darkness. Blah blah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there's there's. There's like nine, at least nine uh, writings and other New Testament books that read something like this, Uh, uh, fairly fairly similar, Uh, but but, I mean, (laughs) that's kind of like what you you feel, like, yeah, yeah, this feels familiar, this sounds familiar, I feel like I already heard this, know this.
1: And what's interesting, I'm so glad you said that about the light, is that where that image really occurs so strongly is in the Gospel of John,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: where repeatedly there's both poetically... Which which we will read here in a minute. Yes. Both poetically and with vivid um, metaphors at different times, or I'm sorry, events at different times, darkness and light, Mm -hmm. where Jesus is arrested in the darkness and then resurrected in the light is the most Mm -hmm. extreme example. But so many more, and what's fascinating is that the actual terms used in this passage in Ephesians are the same exact Greek words found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, Hmm. which are not Christian documents, but were created in the same time period as the life of Jesus, as the writing of the Gospels um, after the resurrection of Jesus, the writing of this letter. So we have a sense of how the theological discussions and musings and inspirations were truly filling Judaism and therefore Christianity simultaneously hmm. that the uh, Faithful people were people of light And Dead sea scrolls community at times even called themselves the children of light children of light interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating so um
0: <laughs> oh, There you go uh, um, uh, but yeah, like, like I said uh, these concepts so it sounds somewhat familiar. It, uh, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds right. But instead, <laughs> expose them. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> um, for it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly.
1: Doesn't that capture an audience? <laughs> so <laughs> I, mean, I mean that. I mean that in admiration. Yeah. Just again, it's a very complex. Sophisticated writing stuff. And anything that this author is pointing towards, in that, because that sentence
0: feels like almost, um, almost as though there's a, you know, there, like I, I, I know, like there's th- something that I know, you know, like what you're doing in your in the darkness is shameful, and we're gonna expose it. And it almost feels accusatory, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: and I think it's it. it one of the reasons I, I think it's such a admirable sentence is that it makes it universal. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Just about everyone short of Jesus has something that they're ashamed of, uh, they're not proud of, that they regret. Um, and obviously the more uh, terrible things, hopefully this will immediately cause someone to amend their lives. But it, this is one of those lines that sucks everyone in. And again, I'm at. I think this is wonderful. Sucks everyone in mm. and leads them to self-examination. Mm. Okay. He knows. He knows. <laughs> the author of this book knows. <laughs> um. So, hey, I. Well, I mean, it's not the author of the book. It's. Right, right, right. It's God. Right,
0: but, right, yeah. right. <laughs> I don't know who. I don't know who this Pauline Styles, uh, Pauline sounding uh, uh, guy is, but. Oh my goodness.
1: Um, and and moving, move on? Well, just one thing I want to point out. Uh, The last verse we have reads, therefore, it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Hmm. It's a quote that we have no idea where it's from. Is it, it? Therefore, it says means it's a quote, but it's so poetic that the presumption is it's from an early Christian hymn. Hmm. And there's some modern hymns that have taken these lines quite nicely and
0: well. Uh, you know, set
1: them to music. We add the quotes
0: late, like uh, interpreters added the quotes later, right? They're like they're actually written in the original text with quotes. They're no, not but, right. But this wasn't like because it could have been like uh, the the author's version of like trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, man, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm cool, man. <laughs> Sleep in a yeah. rake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in your trademarks. <laughs> Wait for the t shirt and the mugs. That's right. You, you can buy if you liked what you heard here.
1: <laughs> Come down to the marketplace. That's right. You can buy a cloak with the saying embroidered on the back. It The therefore it says phrase immediately before those. Oh, words okay, fine. <laughs> is the ancient equivalent of quotation
0: marks. Gotcha. Which is why we add it. We, we feel yeah. comfortable adding them later. Right. I got gotcha. you. Funny or my way. Um, <laughs> John, <laughs> John, chapter nine, uh, verse one through forty-one. We got a, a lot of long readings in John.
1: Well, and that's it's helpful because that's how John writes. Mm. That he had. It's, it's hard to cut off his story. Yes. like midway and. <laughs> Well, and right, well. Some we even do a little bit, or we drop little pieces to make it uh, more useful in a public setting, in know, Sunday service, for instance. Uh, but John has a structure throughout the gospel of, I'd rather have one long story than six short miracles. Gotcha. And so he, he has the fewest number of miracles, the fewest number of distinct times of Jesus' teaching, but almost all, well, I think I'll be happy to say all of them are described you know, much longer way than in any of the other Gospels.
0: Yeah, and I, and I will say, uh, 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 to John's credit, I, I feel as though his uh, recounts of uh, Christ's stories uh, humanizes Christ, uh, it, for me, more than the other Gospels, because he does allow, uh, like, natural conversations to yep. breathe on page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do you do kind of... Feel as though uh, you can kind of see th- who this person was as an individual mm-hmm. and, and for me feel a little bit more connected to them or like, okay, I can, I see where you're coming from. Not just so much this yeah. messianic figure that is, you know, uh, uh, on, on this pedestal and unattainable, but like this, you know brings uh, uh, Christ to a level where you can kind of examine him better. Yeah, Uh, and and I kind of
1: like that. That's why for a lot of people, John is their favorite gospel. And it's also the one that's hardest to dramatize Mm. because most of the good teaching stories are absent from it. Hmm. So they're they're miracles and they're long, complex theological speeches, but they're no parables. They're they're none of the good sayings um, for the most part. No, the trademark of, T-shirt. Well, no, actually, there is the John. <laughs> John, John 3.16. But yeah. no other than that. All right. I mean, there are pithy <laughs> sentences that can be taken out um, of their long speeches, but they still come in the midst of long speeches. Hmm. But yeah, no prodigal son, no good Samaritan stories.
0: Well, since I have 41 verses to read here.
1: Yes, better get at it. <clears throat> i will wash my hands well. Yeah, please. (laughs) That may be 20
0: seconds. This this will definitely be 20 (laughs) seconds of hand washing. Be sure to get in between the fingers and under the fingernails. Mm -hmm. Uh, And don't forget the thumbs. That's the other thing. And the wrists. Uh, And the wrists. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he, said, when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, "'Is this not the man who used to sit and beg?' Some were saying, "'It is he.' Others were saying, "'No, but it is someone like him.' He kept saying, "'I am the, the, the man,' but they kept asking him, "'Then how were your eyes opened?' He answered, "'The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, "'Go to Siloam and wash.'" Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the, to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son that he was born blind but we do not know how it is that he now sees that now he sees nor do we know who opened his eyes ask him he is of age he will speak for himself his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confused Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue therefore his parents said he is of age ask him For the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does, not, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do not see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sins remain. (laughs) Who? Uh, so this is a, this is the uh, story of the interrogation of a blind man. Um, and, uh, um, but it does, like I said, it does kind of humanize the story in that, like, yeah, of course, you know, Pharisees, the the, the religious leaders would be like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. Like, you know, if, if Who's someone were coming? cured of such things, then, uh, then, then you would, Have all sorts of questions, and and would be trying to get to the bottom of it. And if you ask the blind guy, you'd be like, "Honestly, I was blind until just a few minutes ago, so I didn't really see the guy." (laughs) And then they question whether or not he was telling the truth, and go talk to the parents, and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the parents throw him under the bus. The parents throw him under the bus. Which, to be fair, it sounds as though the the blind man was a grown man. So, uh, uh, like, he moved out of the house.
1: (laughs) Twenty years ago, Go ask he's him. Been, we don't know who he's been
0: hanging out with. <laughs> I don't speak for him anymore. Yeah. Um, um uh, Although it is interesting that he John throws in that little story about like uh they were afraid of being thrown out of the church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, um, does d- it, this story also develops the? Uh, um, the erring side, the erring humanity in the Pharisees, mm-hmm. uh, shows that, uh, uh, in a way, uh, the, the, kind of starts to give you that peak of like, we're going to start, you know, lose, we're losing, this guy threatens our, our, our hold on religious power and, yeah. and, and causes people to shift focus. Like we're, we're used to people coming to us for, for for things and for mm-hmm. uh um uh, conversations about people's uh, religious you know, everyday life and now they're going to this guy and that's threatening to us and yeah and that's uh, all there and um uh i like though that the 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 end of the story is uh uh if you were blind you would not have sin but now that you say we see your sins remain um really turning uh like you would, like those those two things, like don't really make sense when you first think about it. Like, right, blind you wouldn't have seen. <laughs> okay, all right. I guess I guess I, you know, the more you it really causes you to kind of think about it. Like, okay, does uh, yeah,
1: it's sort of like the Nicodemus question uh, earl- earlier in the Gospel of John about do do I have to climb back into my mother's womb? Right, when Jesus says you have to be born again.
0: Right, or the right. conversation with the uh, lady at the well last week right. of of, uh, of talking how confusion about living water and, yeah. and how how does and how that many work?
1: husbands do you have? Right, all these things that in John there's this ongoing theme of don't take this literally. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this is an this is an occasion where it pops up repeatedly, and as as you um, pre shadowed. from Ephesians, there's a theme of light and darkness, Mm -hmm. of seeing and blindness, that just reverberates throughout this passage, and again, is to be taken by the readers as a metaphor. Yeah. And I'm not saying this miracle didn't actually take place, but the ongoing meaning of this is metaphorical for us, and we'll lose out if we lose sight of that. Yeah. So to speak.
0: You're right. (laughs) Uh, And unlike uh, last week's reading, where uh, he's with uh, the woman at the well and admits to being the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, he's with the formerly blind man and surrounded by people. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he refers to himself as the son of man. Mm-hmm. Um, why the shift in tone here? Like a, like a, um, he already told one person yeah. that that's true. Is it just because others are listening and
1: it, it, Probably is because when he told the woman she, that he was physically in Samaria, mm. whereas now he's back in Israel. Mm-hmm. And so if he proclaims himself Messiah there, his death will come much more quickly. Gotcha. Because the Romans would say, well, he's declaring himself a king. Yeah. Let's crucify him now. And so this buys him more time to complete his mission. Gotcha. 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 So yeah, uh, it, which is kind of
0: interesting, because uh, uh, one would, th- you know, if you were to take this entire story away, and you were to to, to start a new story and be like, so there's the, there was this person on Earth who was God, mm-hmm. and you know, like, you start weaving these stories, and like, well, yeah, why shy away from it? Like, just be like, I'm God, you can't do jack to me. <laughs> What do you think you're gonna do with that little <laughs> stick? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would be like a the, your your first thought of like yeah. Yeah, smite these fools. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, let's make this a Marvel franchise. Exactly, <laughs> especially after you know all the fire and brimstone that you can find in the Old Testament. Yeah. Like why don't why don't you just come down here and just you know torch the place?
1: <laughs> Which uh, tells uh, us something about God. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, that people were misinterpreting from the fire and brimstone of the Old Testament. Right, Jesus coming down and god fully human and not do not being vengeful
0: yeah one thing that though that i do find um glaringly absent from this story is there they, they the the john kind of dances around it but doesn't really come out, out right out and say it you know there's this confusion about like ailments and related to sin yeah and you know the whole social structure is like, no, 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 we're Pharisees. We're perfect. You were born in sin. That's why you're blind. Your right. parents are also sinful because they're not us. Uh, <laughs> well, and because they had a blind child. And because they had a blind child. Um, and they don't – there's not an express like, no, 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 that's not how this works. People can be blind and be sinful or not sinful. Uh, you can be Pharisees and, and you know, you're, you're all sinful uh, it also doesn't say sinful by nature, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, you all have sin at one point in time in your, in, in, in your life and, uh, you know, all of, uh, all of, uh, you know, all of that is, is, isn't directly
1: refuted. Well, well in really in all the gospels, but especially in John, Jesus does not directly refute anything. But I think in the closing verses of chapter nine, he gets about as close as you're going to get Jesus to coming, uh, in refuting Mm. the Pharisees of, of this whole, um, if you were that you read a few minutes ago, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way, Jesus is saying, being born blind, not a sin. Mm-hmm. But refusing to see God's love in the world, sin. Right, and and honestly, I I
0: didn't think about it until just this minute. Um, it takes me back to uh the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. In that, w- mm-hmm. what it says there is, you know, eating from this tree,
1: this tree of knowledge, is
0: not it, it's not going to kill you. It's going to open your eyes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. it's that it, perhaps it's referring back to. Oh, I'm sure it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, your eyes are open. You're, yeah. You are sinful.
1: Yeah. You you Your eyes are open. You, you, you have, have knowledge of, world, of good and evil. And, and the ability to see God, God active in the world, mm-hmm. but you refuse to see it. Hmm. You keep your eyes closed to it. You blind yourself to it. Hmm. And that's the ongoing theological, spiritual challenge for any person of faith: is in the midst of difficult life circumstances, how do we keep our sense of openness to God when fear drives us to be closed to yeah. possibilities because we're hunkering down? Yeah. Hmm. Anything else uh, from this story? One that, and and this is the least important to. Current Christians, oh, so then we'll edit
0: this out then. Okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so <laughs> no, <it's> just... <laughs> feel free to go on to Car Talk or This American <laughs> Life now, and your podcasting. But it's the um, fear by the parents of being cast out from the synagogue mm-hmm. that historically see is didn't happen. That was not how uh, Judaism in the time of Jesus worked. Hmm. So that whole section is something that. To just phrase it simply without the nuance, John added in. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, because people sometimes only had the Bible as their historical description of things, people for centuries have interpreted it as something genuine, and hmm. therefore it was a real fear of people who were following Christ after the resurrection that they'd be cast out of the synagogue, not to mention before. <clears throat> Christ's resurrection. But what we see over and over throughout the Gospels, including um, John, is that Jesus is welcomed into synagogues. In the synoptic Gospels, the first three Gospels, he teaches repeatedly in the synagogues, Mm -hmm. that it's an active part of his and his disciples' spiritual lives. So we know even within the texts that Jesus was welcomed, his followers were always welcomed into the synagogues. So... What's much more likely is that this reflects the author of John's concern that people were not following Jesus enough, Mm. and they were staying, that people of his, of the author's religious community were staying too close to the Hebrew scripture teachings, and were not turning their hearts over enough to Jesus' teachings. So, for instance, only here does the self description of people of Moses, only in John, right. does that occur? That was not something Jews in the time of Jesus ever used, that phrase. Huh. So, um, a, a number of scholars think this was sort of an evangelical, to, uh, evangelistic tool by John to say, no, really, you put your priority on being a Christian. Don't try to, um, don't have your priority on being Jewish. And at the time of the writing of John, there was still uh, the predominant practice that if you were Christian, you worshiped in the synagogue. Hmm. That there, there wasn't the big split yet, though it was in the midst of happening. Interesting.
0: So in a way, he was trying to keep it, hold it together? Or
1: build up his uh.
0: side. <laughs> Church politics. Church politics. Yeah, <laughs> it's been around longer than you think. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My coffee hour is better than their coffee hour. That's right. That's right. Um,
0: that's very interesting. Yeah. The 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 the, the, the but I've said that before. Uh, the 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 background motivations of some of the authors. I'm yeah. like, I really want to put forward this idea or I really want this to happen in real life as a result of this.
1: Well, and the way it can be applied to our current lives is how countercultural being a good Christian is. Mm. And -hmm. while very few of us would be worrying about being cast out of a synagogue community, we might very well be worried about being cast out of our family or other social community if we become a devout Christian and accept all people and love without limit and give away a lot of our possessions and all the other things that the gospels book of acts and Paul's letters talk about.
0: Mm.
1: Very good. Well, um, I guess we'll, we'll close then.
0: Uh, this, uh, that kind of concludes your podcast for uh, March 22nd, 2020. Here is normally where I would say, uh, we look, hope to see you at eight and 10. Our, our, oh, our church services yeah. on Sunday. But as of still this moment, I, I believe the plan is that, to continue to follow uh, the request of the uh, uh, mayor of the city of Fishers, which is to uh, avoid gatherings of a yeah. uh, of, of larger number of people. In fact, uh, just last night, I believe the or the other night, uh, the CDC came out with a recommendation of no more than groups larger than 50 should shouldn't gather. Yeah. And, and uh, hey, we made it. Uh, <laughs> Great. Right. We're, we're we're
1: we're a big enough deal. The CDC needs to address us. Um, so uh, and to add in our diocesan bishop has said no public worship, no church gatherings uh, for the rest of March. Yes. Um, so uh,
0: we will kind of continue uh, this uh, um, the style of uh, of not getting to see each other, unfortunately, in person. Uh, but I, I, we don't have a. There's not a firm uh, game plan that I can confirm on the podcast yet, but I can say that uh, we would encourage you to look to our YouTube channel for uh, some some worship content. Yeah. Uh, either either later on this week or Sunday morning, uh, and uh, that that YouTube channel is a, a HFEC videos. So that's Holy Family Episcopal Church as the abbreviation videos, uh, and uh, we'll have some uh, some some church service related content on uh, the channel. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, obviously this podcast for, mm-hmm. for your enjoyment uh, uh, n- here on Tuesday, starting Tuesday. So uh, be sure to check and, and, and check back. We'll probably put out some announcements as to uh, to, to when that uh, uh, material will be released yeah. and what so it'll look like. Keep an eye on our website and our Facebook page for yep. that information. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, uh, we look forward and... to the time where we can uh, uh, see you in person. Yes, and Very uh, much. Probably still at that point, maybe not shake hands, uh, but uh, but uh, looking forward to, uh, to, to seeing everybody's faces again. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, and until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we hope you are all safe, healthy, and loving each other. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.